Well, today is a Checkpoint Sunday, and Checkpoint Sundays are something that we at Into One have done really since our very beginning. A Checkpoint is a time when we stop, and we get out of the car, and we kind of look around and see where we are to make sure that we're on the path where we're going. We use the idea of getting out of the car mostly because we describe what we're trying to do as a whole group as the road trip. So our, our plan as a group is to be on what we describe as the road trip. Um, we would say on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, we find um, we are being brought together into one. We find hope and freedom in the love of Jesus. That is something that we come back to regularly to give us direction on where we're going. So the checkpoint is um, a stopping point to check the map, to check to see where we're, where, where we're heading, and to see if we're in the right place now. So because most of us have a way of getting into routines. Routines can sometimes help us and sometimes hurt us. And so we choose to stop periodically to evaluate where we are. Am I now where I would like to be? And that usually means, am I making a series of decisions that take me towards my ultimate goals or have I got muddled? Did I trip somewhere along the way? Did I make a decision that I wish I didn't? This is the kind of Sunday that we stop and say, Everything else, we stop it to try and focus again here. So we're in the middle of a series called Pray, where we are focusing on um, specific prayers that the Apostle Paul made, and he was using the language, so that, I pray this, so that, this would happen, and we have the final week, which will be next week, and we're going to finish that series off, but we, we, we take a pause in the middle to say, what about me? Where am I, and where am I right now? How am I doing. And so as a group, I want to help you work through this section that we are in. And so if you have long history with uh, Into One, that's fantastic. You'll be able to recognize more of these familiar things. And if it's new to you, that's okay. It's new, but this is going to be sort of a self-revealing. This is who we are and this is what we're about. So we have been in the midst of a project called Project Accessibility. And when I look back at, at the notes that we had, we started this project actually really early in 2018. Um, you didn't know about it then, but our steering committee had been talking about planning out. What do we need to do? How do we adjust the building? Let's build a plan for where we are going to go. And if building stuff happens in it, we'll plan such that we won't have to undo building to keep building forward. And so that's what we did. And then we, uh, we were really surprised when we were approached by our uh, local MP, Jane Philpott, when she said, you guys should really apply. I think that you might uh, benefit from this seniors enable, enabling seniors um, fund that would help with accessibility. And so we applied and we were granted the maximum amount for that grant, the largest amount that has ever gone out in the Stouffville kind of uh, Markham area to a single place. And we were astounded. We thought, I can't believe this is happening. $100,000 granted to us to be about accessibility. And we thought, this is fantastic. So we had moved then to get some um, architect's drawings and we got an initial estimate. And the initial estimate of the program that we were planning and putting in was going to be about $200,000, and we thought, okay, so this is going to be a little bit, a little bit tricky. Uh, we have $100,000, which is a great start, but anyone who's done construction can tell you that costs go up. And so we had that, 
And then about a year passed before the, the funding actually came through, the plans for our building actually got uh, finalized, and then we were able to get them uh, architected and engineered up and all the modifications made and then um, to, to nail in on a, um, a new contractor. And the new contractors, they all came back, the, the number that we talked to were all dramatically above what we'd been told. And so some of the prices had changed. You, if you build, you understand this. Some of the lumber prices had radically changed, and that affected the overall costs. And so our plan had gone from $200,000, which was $100,000 already paid, to um, the highest estimate, which was going to be about $525,000. We go, there's no way that we can do this. There's, there's just no way. And so we, we called our contractors back and we said, okay, who's willing to work with us? Who's willing to trim and chop some of the stuff? We've got we to nail this thing down. We can't go ahead with this. It's just not enough. And, and in there, we were once again brought to this place where we have to um, evaluate who is it that is about making these changes. And we have had a relationship with our God that I'm not saying other people don't have, but I just know this story better. And our God has been so faithful to us in opening doors for us. That's the language we have used almost from the beginning. He opened the door to our first rental place, which was 19 on the Park, gave us a deal there that we were unexpecting. Opened the door by providing us this building that we had to pay legal fees to transfer this building, and that was it. God provided for us. Again, he opened a door before we were willing to go through it. We were nervous then too. And so when we were able to adjust the, uh, the plan and, and uh, find a contractor who was willing to share some work with us, we were able to get that bill significantly down. And I don't remember what the last number was, and it's had to modify. Anyone who's done a renovation knows that whatever the number is, that's not the number you're going to finish with because we needed a new sump pump as we came along. We saw that there was flooding downstairs. We thought, well, the floor is broken up. We've got to fix this. So we were able to add those things on, and we had a tremendous, exciting time between October and December when the project initially began. We even left our building for part of that time to give the contractors more space to move. And, and as we did that, we saw that people moved to us to go visit with our, uh, our, our sister church just down the road, um, Stouffville Christian Church. And they shared their building with us, and it was, it was fantastic. And the generosity and the commitment that we saw coming in from people was fantastic. We had this unmeetable goal, as far as I was concerned, that was laid out that we had to hit. And we... we um, far past it by January. Absolutely amazing. God provides. This accessibility project is another example of him opening a door for us. It was great. And so we've come along and then we, who was planning on having a stoppage in work for four months or five months, whatever it was, when the contractors weren't allowed to come in? And so it's extended the project, but now we are uh, finished. All of the contractor work is done. We got the official license for the uh, lift that we have this week. It's up and running. These jobs are done. And we have faced project accessibility, which was all about, remember, breaking down barriers and opening doors. We thought, this is fantastic. God has moved. Well, we just got our, our final um, bills from the contractor to finish off. And then the holdbacks. You, you hold back money until the job is signed off on as officially done. So we have um, a, a further target that we need to hit by October 18, that things are moving on there. But there is a significant chunk of money that we need by that time. I, I'm telling you that because I want you to know the story. I want you to know how this story goes. So as we watch, as we move in faith, we are reminded that God has been fighting for us in advance of us ever fighting. 
And the, the, the fighting comes in so many different ways, but provision is one of those things. And as we were coming to the end of this, I couldn't help but think to myself that the idea of project accessibility could not have ever been so small or so insignificant as simply making the building accessible. Why, why do we need to make the building accessible? Well, the only reason that we wanted to make the building accessible was so that it could be accessible to people. And the people were ultimately the most important part of whatever it is that we were going to do, whether it's online now, trying to make uh, the, the, this community still accessible to people who can't physically be here. This accessibility idea had to be much larger than a lift, as wonderful as a lift is, as wonderful it is to have the new uh, basement, as, as wonderful it is, as it is to have the new bathrooms downstairs, all accessible. The only reason that it was important was that so, so that somebody could use them. That was the idea, right? And we wanted to say to our community, we want you to have access to this building. We want to be able to offer things through this building. We want you to not face opposition as you came in. And so the front door over there, we had to get rid of concrete stairs. We made a ramp. That was um, a blockage that we found a way through. The, the, the doors wouldn't work to be able to have wheelchairs come through them. We had to do something. We had to reconfigure the stairs. We had to put in the lift. We had to rework the basement so that there would be nothing in the way. And the, what they call this is when they're describing the bathrooms particularly is barrier-free. Kind of new language for me. I didn't think of it that way, but that's what it is, barrier-free. And I thought, boom, this is perfect. Project accessibility for Into One, that was barrier-free physically. But project accessibility is not simply about physical accessibility there has to be someone to physically access it, right? So the next stage that it seems to me that we have to hit is how do we work barrier-free into one? And I, I, I'm guessing most of you have had a story somewhere in your life where you've said, I, I don't know about church. I don't know about Christians. I, I don't know. I, I had a terrible experience once. People treated me awfully. There was, there was this stuff that happened in my past, and, and I don't know where God was in that. There are people who would say now, I could never go into a church because the church would probably light on fire just by my presence. I'm so evil, and my evil would counteract with God's holiness, and we'd have an explosion. And as much as that can sort of sound humorous, I have met people and looked into their eyes as they tell me, I can't come in. Do you know what I've done? So, the next barrier that we have to hit, the next barrier that we have to take down, the next barrier that we have to break are those things that other people look at and say, I can't go there because. And there's a long list of them. I, I, I can't go because of what I've done. I, I can't go because I don't believe the same way they do. I, I, I can't go because I don't know what I'm getting into. I can't, I can't go because I don't even know how I feel about God. I can't go because I don't believe the Bible. And a vision that we had come up with years ago now to sort of guide the process that we wanted to be working towards, we wanted to say you can belong to the community because honestly, in my experience, the people that are associated, you can see some of them here or um, if you're watching at home, <laughs> thank you. Some... The people are wonderful. So the first thing you can do is you can belong to a community. 
You can just have access to fantastic people who will help to push you in a good direction. You can belong before you believe. We don't have anyone standing at the doors outside with a checklist saying, where are you on this issue? Hot button topics, right? There's no hot takes. You can belong here before you believe. And we wanted to welcome people in, in pursuit of Jesus, right? Wherever you are on that path, we are all in pursuit. And if you are interested in, you know, we'll get around to being in pursuit, you're welcome to be here. You can belong before you can believe. And then as we move to that next stage of believing, believing is not simply a matter of checking boxes. Yes, I agree to that. Yes, I agree to that. Believing is lived out practice. I believe it when I live it. I believe it when it transforms me, when the Spirit of God works inside me, changes my heart, changes me into a new person, and the, my old way of life is, is put aside, and my new way of life is growing up inside of me, and sometimes I don't even see it happening, and I need other people around me to tell me, I see it in you. <laughs> I can see you changing. You might not recognize it, but you're not the same as you used to be. You've got more peace. You're not nearly so negative anymore. I can't believe how kind you've become to people around you. And we find that these things grow. They are not the way that you have to be to be a Christian. You don't be kind and that makes you a Christian. What happens is when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you get Jesus. And the Spirit of God lives inside you and begins to reshape you. So you don't do those things to get God to like you. You do those things because you understand that God already loves you. And you are free to participate in these things. And so we say, you're welcome to belong before you believe. When you believe, it comes to life. And as that belief comes to life, the next step is to be bold. To live it out proudly. And that doesn't mean um, pounding on someone's door all the time and saying, you got to believe in Jesus. you got to believe like I do. But what we try to do is to live honestly in front of other people. To live with integrity. To be filled with kindness. To be filled with a display that comes out of us that I can help. I can point you to something that's made a difference in my life. I found freedom in this and it's changed me. It set me free and I've been in bondage to whatever it was. And the, it's nicer when I can make you look around and see the people in the room and I can, I can say, well, over here we had bondage to gambling and over here we had bondage to uh, porn and over here we had bondage to sex and over here we had bondage to greed and over here we had bondage. And the bondages, oh, man, this place is just so filled with people who have been dealing with incredibly hard things, not full of perfect people. We do have a scanner at the door that if you're perfect, you're not allowed to come in. There's a church for you somewhere else. This place is not for perfect people. Belong. Believe. Be bold. And so now, as we start to think of how does project accessibility, breaking down barriers and opening doors, how does that move us into the next phase? We have to live this out. And so part of it is what uh, Paul taught to the people in Rome when he wrote, he said, what you need to do, you get together with people and, and you cheer with those who are cheering and you mourn with those who are mourning. You suffer with those who are suffering and, and you celebrate with those who are celebrating. We share life together. We don't just share a list of beliefs that we've checked off. We share a life. And this is a life that's in pursuit of, in earnest pursuit of Jesus. And as you go, it's great to go with other people. And so that's what we say, how can we do that? And what we want to do is open the door to some people who go, I can't go to church. I can't be there. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to make church online possible. So you can go to church and you don't have to walk through the door. 
because sometimes that freaks people out. And that's one of the barriers that we wanted to break down. We don't want to freak you out. I think that when you come and you meet the people, you'll be fine, but it's so hard to convince yourself to come through that door. So now we have an easier entry point. We, we have people who say, um, I just can't believe in the Bible. The whole Bible thing, it just, ah, oh, it's a pain. It, it's full of errors, isn't it? And it's got contradictions in it. And where did this thing even come from? And so you know what? We're going to set aside this uh, January, and then we take a little bit of a break in February, but January, we're going to start talking about the Bible. Where did it come from? What is it? Why do we think it's important? Where, what, what's the real story behind it? The Bible is not our God. Our God has a name. His name is Jesus. And that's what we focus everything on. We also believe that's everything that the Bible focuses on points to Jesus. So Jesus is the point. The Bible is how we get to know him. And so we want to tell you a little bit more about that story to try and um, open your understanding up in that way, to see a barrier, to try to take that barrier down. Now, I know that you have friends, you've got family members, and they have specific barriers that maybe you know. What we're going to ask you to do is to work in partnership with us and with the Holy Spirit to break those barriers down. Project accessibility is going to enter a new phase, and this new phase is going to change our language, to change the way that we think about what we're involved in. A couple of weeks ago, um, the, the topic that we were looking at had to do with sharing your faith, and I know that freaks people out on both sides, okay? The people who are supposed to share freaked out because I'm scared. I don't want to be the weirdo. I don't know what to say. I can't say it well enough. People on the receiving side, oh, man, I don't want somebody preaching at me, just trying to ignore everything that's going on in my face, saying, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. And they just keep going on telling them their, their religious sales pitch. Both sides of this can get weird. But what if we start to take the idea that all we're trying to do is break down barriers and open doors? I, I, I'm not trying to get you to believe what I believe. I'm just trying to help you understand what made a difference in my life. I'm going to look for a way to use language that changes what I'm um, really trying to do to be honest about it. I just, I just want to help you remove some of those problems that you have. See, we have people who come up, and the reason I know it's a problem is because they'll say stuff to me like, I just don't believe it. And I go, awesome. What's it? Well, I don't believe any of it. Right. What is any of it? Tell me what it is that you don't believe. And there's not an answer. I don't believe the Bible. I go, yeah. What don't you believe about the Bible? I don't, I don't believe any of it. Go, right. What is it that we can talk about? Or is it just a general disillusionment with the whole brand that we have? And we can look to break down barriers by having honest conversation. I know you don't have all the answers. I don't have them all either. But we have resources that can help. And so what I wanted to do was also to remind you of some of the resources that we have for your benefit, but potentially also for the benefit of some of the people that you're in contact with. A teaching series that we did a number of years ago is called Basecamp. Basecamp is available for you to go back and listen to or to send your friends to. Basecamp is starting from nothing and explaining what Christianity is sort of about, what we believe, piece by piece. And it's not done for children. It was designed for adults. So how does our faith grow from zero to something? So it helps you to figure out what it is we actually believe because there's an awful lot that gets added in by television shows and by movies when they say, this is the way it really is. 
This is what we really believe. So Basecamp is a great series for you to go back through so you can see the step-by-step -step sort of progress. This is what we believe. Remind yourself, build your own confidence of what you believe. So we have that series available for you or for your, your friends, your family, whatever. All accessible um, through our website, intoone.ca. We have what we call a sermon engine there and you can search for any of our previous series and you go back and you can listen to them. Another one that would be very helpful to you would be called deconverting. Deconverting we did last January, two Januarys ago, something like that anyways. And the point of deconverting was to look at somebody who said, I've, I've had an association with Christianity, but I think I'm kind of done. I'm going to deconvert. I'm going to walk away. And then the other side was, I've, I've never really believed in Christianity. I've sort of been kind of opposed, uh, either agnostic or, or even atheist at some point. Maybe I'm going to deconvert from that because there's some things that I haven't thought through. So it is a thinking through of some of these, um, again, more entry-level concepts to try and, and clear some of what has become muddied water. Now, I also know that uh, we've been told that Thanksgiving is going to be a different kind of an event this year. We're not all going to be able to get together, and so we've already heard that turkeys are changing. People who had an order for a turkey of 20 pounds are now looking for a turkey that's 8 pounds or whatever. You know, they're trying to get a smaller bird because we can't have all the same people here. Thanksgiving is normally one of those times when you get together with a group. And sometimes when you get together with a group, you can meet the person who's diametrically opposed to you. And they feel the need to always have a little something that they offer you while you're together, Right? What is God about that? Boom. Tell me what your Jesus says about that. Mm. Right? And they, they, they kind of have those little points. They don't really want a conversation, but they do want to make sure that it's always quite clear we're not on the same page. So we have another series called Prepared. And Prepared was really designed to give you... It's not like... Remember Mad Magazine? Did anyone read Mad Magazine? Snappy answers to stupid questions. It's not like that at all. But when somebody drops something... And you don't know, like, I don't want to say nothing and pretend it didn't happen, but I also don't want to get into a fight. Prepared helps you to have responses that are brief and that open the door to a further conversation if that conversation is desired, right? Because it's not like every meal's got to turn into we've got to have uh, a sermon or we've got to have somebody who's going to lay out everything, but just to provide a different viewpoint. Prepared can help you with that. So we had... Um, Base camp, deconverting, prepared. Other series are helpful as well. I was just trying to pick some stuff out that would help you to have conversations, to feel like you were equipped to resource you, but to move you to set up that. Then we, uh, the, the idea of sharing your faith was, well, how do we do that? And there was the way that we're going to live, live a life that is worthy of someone looking at you and going, I want what you've got. I want the peace that you've got. I want the joy. I want the way that you interact with people. But it was also going to be a step that you could take, that you could invite someone. And so that's why we encourage church online, invite someone, come and join. Right? You can always leave. No one's going to lock you in. And we would say it here too. Invite someone, tell them to come along. And so sometimes we give you uh, cards, things to help you. So we're planning ahead with this one. October the 11th, we're starting a new series and it's called Swipe Right. This series is all about relationships. So it's about um, good relationships, it's about bad relationships, it's for people who have um, let themselves go deeply into a culture of porn, perhaps, or 
more deeply into a, a culture of sleeping around or multiple partners or uh, dealing with infidelity. It helps to talk about sex, relationships, how to make them more successful. And so it applies to people who are married. It applies to people who are single. It applies to people who were married and are now single. And it, it applies to people who are single and anticipating marriage. And any, any sort of different relationship level that you can be at, we're going to try and move you on, on a level of having better relationships, connecting better. And I think that's a universal kind of interest, and so that's why we wanted to focus that way. It doesn't start by saying, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the history of the Ten Commandments, where they came from, and it's much more starting with, how does this relate to you? And so we wanted to offer that to you as a great opportunity to invite somebody else to join you, to come in. So swipe right, if you're not familiar, is the language that um, Tinder has made famous about how to go through people and you swipe left or you swipe right to decide who you want to uh, date, who you want to pursue a relationship with, and the swiping right was the people that you wanted to choose. But it also works really cleverly with the how to swipe correctly, not just swipe right. You see what we did there? Yeah, I was, it's genius, frankly. <laughs> Genius. So good it wasn't my idea. Um, that's what's coming uh, starting in October. So if you can participate in the inviting side, we'll try and support you with um, giving a relationship breakdown of how we can make relationships better. That's our focus going to be in that time. So project accessibility was breaking down barriers and opening doors. We're, we're going to move from physical barriers that need to be broken down and physical doors that need to be opened into anything that stands in the way of someone becoming an active, participating part of our community. What stands in our way? And so some of these things, you're, you're going to work on your own. But if you have other suggestions for us, certainly open to hear that. What are the barriers? What do we need to do to break down barriers and open doors? How do we become more accessible to more people? What do we do to combat some of the, the uh, misconceptions what do we do to combat some of the lies? What do we do to combat some of what's true about our brothers and sisters? What we have done as church people? How do we face those things honestly and say, yeah, we messed, we, that was messing up. We have to be honest about those things too. What barriers need to be broken down? How can we open doors? This is the focus that we're going to have going forward to take this to people because that was always the point. You, you, you don't make a wheelchair accessible lift for no one. You make it for a person because people are important to us because people are important to God. They're all made in the image of God whether they believe like I do or not. They're made in the image of God if they're diamet diametrically opposed to God. They're made in the image of God and loved by God even if they curse God. So, how do we get in on living this thing out honestly, with integrity, without jamming anything down someone's throat? To live in such a way that we would be compelling, that we would be kind, that we would be loving, that they would know that we are Christians by the only indicator that the entire scripture displays for us. Only one place does it say this is the measure. Only one indicator 
has been given to us. They will know you are Christians if you love one another. That's what we're working towards. And we're doing that because it's our desire that people would know that God loves us, God loves them, and he sent Jesus. And the reason he sent Jesus was not to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. We want the world to know. We, want, we have good news and we want to be able to share it. That's what we're trying to do. That's the vision. That's the focus that we have going forward. And so what I thought would be perfect for us today would be to take those concepts and then move them into a place where we have the opportunity to commit to them. And by commit, I'm not, there's no paperwork, okay? The commitment ceremonies that we have, we call communion. It's a, it's a coming together. It's intentionally desiring that I would be connected to and with God. We call that communion. Sometimes it's called the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it's called the Eucharist. And what we want to do in this time is to sort of look at the big picture of what God has started in motion and decide once again, am I in? Because his plan was never for it to be just about you. His plan was always that it was to be for the world, for everyone, for anyone whether they think they're worthy or not. And so when we take communion, it's the opportunity for us to say, yes, Jesus, the plan that you offered for me is something that I am going to accept again. And the part of that plan is your lordship. You're in charge. You're the boss. You're the master. I'm the apprentice. I'm learning from you. So I, I do what you say. And I'm signing on again. I'm, I'm agreeing again that you should be in control. That's what we're sort of saying when we take communion, that we want this relationship to continue. We want it to deepen, that we take things and we, and, we, and we eat them. And as we do that, what we're saying is, I want it in me. This that you have offered me, yes, I want it. I want it to become part of me. I want it to change me. I want that, the food to come in and nourish me and to bring me energy and life and vitality. That's what we're trying to do when we do communion. So if you're here with us live. If you're at home, pull out your elements, whichever ones you've got prepared. But if you're here with us live, this is what they look like. And I'll just try and help you because a number of people haven't seen these before. They're, this is the tab that you open with right here, right? There's actually two levels. The top level releases a wafer. The next le level releases juice. Okay, so just so you are... Uh, aware of that. These are symbols. Jesus gave us this um, example. He made this image come to life for us. We hold on to it because he said, do this. Keep doing this until I return. And so we choose to remember. So part of Checkpoint has always been to remember what God has done. We remember what God has done. In the ancient past, in the old past, in my past, we choose to remember what God has done, and then we reevaluate. We reevaluate where we are. Am I where I want to be today? Am I where I want to be emotionally? Am I where I want to be spiritually? Have I come to the place that, I, that I'm content with where I am in, in right relationship with God? And then we refocus before we leave. Remember, reevaluate, refocus. That was the, that's the plan. And so to help you um, pull the story back together, I thought we could read together Again, not the first Corinthians version, but Ma um, Jesus' words himself as recorded by 
um, Matthew. So put it up on the screen now. Um, So if you can read this together. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This was the image that he wanted them to understand. And and if you've been around, we've talked about the new covenant that, that Jesus started a new covenant, a new arrangement, a new agreement between humanity and God. And this one wasn't to go through an entire nation. This one was to become individual, personal, that you would have the opportunity to invest in it yourself. And and so what he's describing is the end of the sacrificial system. And that's why he uses language like blood. My body is the sacrifice. That's the idea. The end of the sacrificial system that would announce the new connection to God, deeply personal for you but that you don't have to work really hard. You believe. And believe impacts the way that you live. I believe that Jesus has died for me. I believe that when he died, he provided opportunity for my sins to be forgiven. Those things that I do, even by my own standard, the things that I do, that I don't live up to my own expectations. That sin, that separation from God, that this provides you an opportunity for actual forgiveness and not just, I hope it's better, but I'll work really hard, God, and then you'll like me. That's not the way this works. The gift is there that removes the damage, the stain of your past in its relationship to God. There are often consequences that we live out physically with that we have to work through some of those sometimes, but the connection to God is there. And so, open this up kind father thank you for the gift that you gave us of your son and Jesus thank you that you chose to participate you weren't sent away having no idea what was going to happen you willingly chose to live your entire life in anticipation of this event that you would die for us your body for us. Thank you for the gift that you have given. You may partake. Now level two. Careful so you don't spill it. (laughs) The grape juice, the symbol of the blood your desire that you would have Christ reign in you, that his spirit would live within you and that you would live as him as your Lord. If that is your desire, then this is one of the ways that we continue to say, I'm still in. That's what I want. I'm there. And so, God, we thank you again for the forgiveness of sin, for the forgiveness of all the mess-ups, the falling short, the intentionally choosing 
things, for all of those things, you make a way for us to be forgiven, to have our guilt washed away. Thank you for your sacrifice on my behalf. Thank you for your sacrifice on my friend's behalf. We choose to accept you once again, Lord Jesus. Come reign within. You may participate. You can feel free to just leave those cups on your pew and we'll collect them afterwards so we don't have to deal with um, people touching the different stuff. So we'll leave it there and it'll be collected for you. Don't hide them away. <laughs> um, when we experience a moment like this, it's natural to face challenge afterwards as well. And so we continue to ask that the Spirit of God would be in you, would be upon you, that decisions that you would make would move you in the direction that you would like to go in pursuit of Christ. Be aware. Don't be alone. Do what you can to connect with someone else so that we don't walk alone in this place. But there is celebration once again in being able to acknowledge my sin has been forgiven. And if you had the, the gift of today even having the Spirit of God bring to your mind something that was there that stands between you and Him, then deal with it. Pursue what you need to pursue to make right relationship with those around you and with God all around you. Thanks. Thanks for participating. Not just today. Thanks for engaging in this earnest pursuit of Jesus because it allows you to go it alone. We want to go together. And I have been blessed so frequently by folks here and at home who have encouraged me. You sometimes think that uh, I, I, I never have the struggle that you do. I never have doubt. I never have disappointment. I never have discouragement. I never get disillusioned. It's not true. All of these things are mine as well. But you inspire me and you encourage me. And I'm so grateful for the gift of family in this way. This is the pursuit of God. This is what it looks like when we go together, supporting each other, and I'm thankful for how you have helped me in that. What better way to sort of respond in this to once again acknowledge how much we need our God. So we're going to sing together now.